Hi everybody, this is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisces about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karam and get down with the good vibes. You're listening to Rowan Pratt Method, where we talk all things fitness, mindset, well-being, performance, and lifestyle design so that you can live a high-performance life. On today's episode, we have Gary Hall, who's a sports massage therapist and a peak performance coach. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thanks, Rowan. Thanks for having me. No worries. So, you've been in the industry a long time. How did you start? Well, yeah, it has been a long time. I'm 53 now, so I feel like I've been doing it forever, but um, I went to... Uh, uni and did phys ed and while I was there I was working in a couple of gyms and I did a major in exercise physiology and that just opened my eyes to um, to what's possible with the human body and human potential so from there that's that just started the whole journey which has been the last 35 years or so down the rabbit hole you went yeah exactly and it's been just as much of a hobby as anything it's something that i love learning about all the time because human potential is a never-ending sort of subject so it's definitely something that's for me is just endlessly interesting and really enjoyable what are the key things that you've seen that have changed over the years since you first started because i know modern things are very different now to how it used to be even when i was younger so what key things are the takeaways that are different now um well, ice baths are really popular. <laughs> yeah, cold water therapy is very popular. Thanks to Wim Hof. It was also the guy that um, I started uh, massaging in sports and remedial massage. He got into ice baths pretty early in the piece as well. And they were only meant to be quick in, quick out. And they became a bit of a competitive thing where who can stay the longest in an ice bath. But um, that's definitely the most popular popular thing at the moment i really like it too i definitely like combining the heat with the cold because traditionally it was either just hot or cold and now we we combine them and obviously wim hof has done all the breathing side of things as well which is um uh, really effective obviously it's a it's a very old tradition um using the breath for for performance or for health you know it's it's part of yoga it's it's um been around for maybe fifteen thousand years so um that yeah so i like i said with the ice bath you know the the combination of the ice and the heat is something that i think is really effective um massage from a sports perspective hasn't really changed that much okay it's something that there's not there's never been a lot of science done on it obviously because who's going to fund the science in in massage so uh for me that hasn't changed much at all obviously you you learn subtle techniques and you learn um a bit more about how to deal with the individual over the years, which is um, really important. You we'll know, touch on that, but talking about, um, really keen to hear about your experience with massage because you work with so many different athletes and yeah. people from all walks of life. But in terms of Wim Hof, I did a seminar with him probably six, seven years ago when he first came out. We had to do the ice bars up in Port Melbourne and everything. And I've been an advocate for cold water therapy ever since. I try and get down to the bay at least once a week for 10, 20 minutes if I'm brave and the sauna once a week but combining them like you said is a really effective method in terms of recovery and i've been doing the yoga uh, you're talking about yoga but you actually taught me how to do the sun salutes Mm. and i've been incorporating that a lot lately and coming from my background of uh, combat sports which was always bigger stronger faster more powerful recovery is so important so what you're offering how do you think these things impact on performance oh it's massive it's it's a huge part of performance but um performance is is an ongoing thing of course i mean you can look at it in the moment and what you can do in the moment to get the best out of someone um but it's it's you know it's ongoing as far as what your performance can be 
So it's whether you're doing things that really support that or not over a long period of time because obviously everyone has a different well very differing approaches to that and they you know if they're incurring stress with their training and pushing themselves too hard um i i think that it's a very um uh what do you call it very um touch and go sort of as far as their results go uh it's very hard to to manage your body when you're you're pushing it like that and you're not sure how it's going to come up so I work much more on doing everything I can to to help the body perform at its best or help the body really build its energy reserves. So it is able to handle what you're doing and it's able to perform at its best in the moment according to what, where you're at, you know, as far as your level of performance, whether it's um, elite or sub-elite or whether you've been, um, you know, just not quite at the mark of as, as some of the best in the world. Um, so, you know, everything that you can use is, is you know, it's just, a matter, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, well, you touched on that about making sure that you can perform at your best. And so many times with me, I have burnt out in the past. I was a victim of overtraining, my own worst enemy, and I know so many athletes that are. And I've had these discussions with you about more well-being and recovery from training because you can only train as hard as you can recover. And we've had a chat about that. So what sort of things do you think recreational athletes or people at the amateur level, what can they incorporate? Obviously, we've discussed ice baths, but maybe regular massages. What other things can they do? Yoga? What would you? What do you get your athletes to do? Well, getting their general lifestyle right for them is pretty important to start with. So that's just the basics. That's sleeping, eating, um, and just said, you know, looking after their daily cycles. So trying to get in tune with nature is pretty important if you want the body to work properly. You know, I've added they say that swimming upstream with the current rather than swimming i mean downstream with the current rather than upstream against the current so basic lifestyle stuff making sure that they are getting quality sleep and and eating you know it's a huge subject really but um to put it simply if they eat natural foods um and they look after their digestion and when i was talking about cycles i mean things like getting most of your food in during the day um, rather than at night because at night if you eat um, late and you eat your main meal in the evening it's much harder to digest that food Uh, your digestion is the strongest at lunchtime not in the evening and it's really switching off in the evening so if you eat your main meal regularly then what will happen is that you'll tend to clog up your lymphatics which is sort of the start of the disease process but also you you just wake up with the aches and pains and more of the stiffness from eating at dinner a large dinner yeah really yeah so if you do that regularly yeah um it's it has what i call a triple whammy effect which is where you um your liver doesn't uh perform its function properly that it's meant to perform during the night because it's meant to clean the blood. But if it's trying to deal with undigested food, it's trying to deal with that and it's putting a bit, a lot of pressure on the liver. Well, I think I really respond well to having a big lunch just from personal experience. And I have felt way down having massive meals at night. Mm. Obviously, in times where I've been trying to put on size or focusing on bodybuilding or something, you know, I've been eating as much as I can. But you certainly do feel the difference after having a really heavy meal. So in terms of meal selection, what would you recommend, like, for someone that is a recreational athlete? What should they be eating? Um, Well, it's different for everyone, you know, when you talk about Ayurveda, which has been something that has been of interest to me over the years. Um, It's very much about body type, but it's also about seasonal. So seasonal first, if you've got no body type imbalances, which most people have, is that in Ayurveda there's three seasons, not four. So they consider um, 
the three seasons as spring, summer and winter. And summer is half of autumn, first half of autumn, and winter's the second half of autumn. So in winter, you're meant to eat heavier foods to create more of balance. It's sort of like the antidote to what's happening in, in the environment at the time. So it's colder and damper um, and and windy. Windy tends to um, put your nervous system out of balance. So it makes you more... Um, out of balance as far as the nervous system and um, um, whether you're too wide, you know. So the winter body type is the body type that's skinnier and tends to be more overactive um, mentally. And so to balance that out, uh, the winter qualities are naturally you get more sleep, there's less light and you eat heavier. And massage um, is very helpful for that as well, and okay. med- meditation as well, because it calms the mind. Um, so, talking about sleep, you mentioned improving sleep to improve performance. What advice do you have for someone that wants to improve their sleep? Because I know so many people are sleep deprived and are really suffering, not yeah. just athletes. So, how can they improve their uh, sleep quality? Well, it's really what you do during the day that counts. So, it's how relaxed you are during the day um, that's going to really help you sleep and whether you get to bed um, at the right hour consistently really helps with that and you know there's a whole science behind it obviously but relaxing in that um, time of the um, day which is um, more like after seven o'clock if you do more relaxing activities um, which are calming for you and then if you get to bed you know by 10 10 30 more regularly than not then you shouldn't have any sleep problems if you've got sleep problems then obviously you need to get yourself more into that consistent pattern Um, and then doing things that help calm your mind so we talked about the main meal at lunch that helps calm the nervous system when the nervous system really kicks in in the afternoon so that helps really settle things down so if you don't eat your main meal at lunch, you tend to go through the day a bit wired. And then, like I was talking about, if you then you're starving and you eat a main meal at night, then that is going to affect your sleep because mm. the body's trying to digest food. Um, and there's, in Ayurveda, there's three different um, sleep actual problems. And what, the, the winter one is that you can't get to sleep. The summer one is that you wake up. And the, the spring one is that you can't get up in the morning, you're sluggish. So the, the, the summer one is more too much heat. And that's what often really happens, especially in the liver, when you're eating those main meals at night, that definitely causes that problem. So for those that aren't familiar with Ayurvedic medicine, what are the three body types? Uh, like I mentioned, it was winter, yep. um, spring and summer. Okay. So if you look at just builds, you look at the, the skinnier um, builds as more the winter, the, the middle size build as the summer, and the bigger build as the winter. And, what, and it's a psychophysiological um, body typing system. So it also uh, it, it associates with uh, the winter body type having a busier mind the summer body type um, having um, a very sharp mind and 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 this um, spring body type tending to be very calm so then you get combinations of them all and then you talk about um, uh, you know when they get out of balance so how so, do they get out of balance so uh, just like, for example, the winter body type, I've got a lot of winter in me uh, and I've got winter, summer. So that's a body type that tends to burn out. So I've always, they're the, they get out of balance um, by lifestyle things that aren't in sync with nature. Like I said, swimming upstream. Yep. Um, so, and that can start so early and it's, it's emotionally driven generally you know um the big thing 
that they talk about in Ayurveda is, is the mistake of the intellect. And that's what they say causes all our stress, all our problems. And stress is, is the cause of most of our health problems. And it definitely affects performance definitely. in a big way. Well, I think it befo- affects performance in all areas of life, not just in athletics or anything like that. It's about yeah. just general lifestyle performance. Yeah, that's right. So um, the mistake of the intellect is, is where we go from being just a really innocent child to then all of a sudden, you know, something is put, some sort of pressure is put on us, um, which we're not ready for and takes us out of our comfort zone. And therefore we start to feel like we've got to create this identity to protect ourselves. So then you're trying to be someone rather than just being who you are. I think a lot of people have that issue where they, I think there's a big focus on everyone improving their weaknesses, but they're not running with their strengths. A lot of people get a bit of confusion with that. And I think if you run with your strengths and be, authentic with who you are then you're setting yourself up for a lot more success i totally agree and and our society at the moment is set up to focus on um what's wrong Mm -hmm. which is more of a survival approach to life which is you know when you look at this time in history we've got every comfort known to man everything's out we haven't really got anything to worry about um um generally uh you know our life is pretty damn good really when you look at the history of things so yet stress is so high yet stress is so high because um you know you're or i think maybe the more you've got the more you worry about losing it yeah but um i think really society puts a lot of pressure on people as far as um what they feel like they should have what they feel like they should be and i think therefore we we are concentrating on that all the time and and concentrating on what we're not because of it because um the survival mentality is always worried about what's going to go wrong and it's a fear-based um thing whereas what you were saying about being authentic and focusing on what's going well i think is extremely valuable and obviously you do it well i think um but definitely like actually practicing that as a tool where you you actually focus on say three things at the end of the day where you feel like you that went really well Mm. that are more in line with what you you are interested in or what you want in life I think that's so valuable because, you know, so often we, especially with social media, we're comparing ourselves to all these um, people that um, we think are the top of the tree and amazing in so many ways um, and and thinking we're never good enough, you know? Well, social media is pretty much everyone's highlight reel and everyone gets confused with that because they have this unrealistic expectation about where they should be. But as you said, it's what they think they should be doing, not what they actually want to do. Mm. I had a conversation with a kid last week at a seminar I was running, and I'm like, what do you want out of life? Like, what do you want your life to look like? And he goes, I want to be successful. So I asked, what does success look like to you? And he's like, I don't know. To be happy? Mm. I'm like, what would make you happy? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, how are you going to get it if you don't know what it is? But these are just buzzwords that people throw out, and they aren't clear on what they want. And as you said, they're focusing on what they don't have or what didn't go well or what they can't do instead of celebrating all the things that they actually can do. Yeah, well, one of my, one of my sayings, and I had um, in the tennis academy that I worked at, I had a picture of Yoda. Yep. And I say, and, and he says, um, um, I've forgotten the saying now, but it's, it's happily achieved rather than achieved to be happy. Yeah. And so... That's going back to what I said about the mistake of the intellect. When we're, we're young, we're naturally happy. Everything's magical and, and, and a mystery. And it's because we're functioning so well. You know, that's why we're growing so fast. That's why we're learning so fast. And um, our body's quite blissful. And, you know, you feel really happy within yourself. Just, it's just life. You know, you're not really thinking too much. You're just enjoying, right? Um, 
well i think the mistake of the intellect takes us away from that and and the challenge in our life is to find that again and that in in the vedas is called um to be innocent with with understanding Mm. and so to find that sense of yourself again um is a challenge which which becomes quite challenging if you've done many years of of really exhausting yourself you know well you sort of i had a conversation with someone recently about getting in touch with the inner child sort of going back to that innocence that we lose as time goes on but one of my key takeaways and even working with you in the past is prioritizing well-being to improve performance not the other way around and for so long, I was always wanting to be bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful in the combat sports industry, needed to be lifting heavier weights all the time. And I always burnt out. I was trying to squeeze in extra training sessions all the time, had no focus on recovery. For three weeks, I was an absolute weapon, but then I would burn out and crash and have to start all over again. And I think yeah. so many athletes are doing that and a lot of people in everyday life, whether it's in Korea and other areas, like mm. people are extremists. Yeah. And that, and I think, uh, more is better, but yep. I, but the the buzz saying around um, training and performance now is less is more. Although I don't really see it that much. I'm gonna say, yeah. <laughs> but um, I would prefer athletes to be able to consistently train and not have injuries or not have sicknesses, because I think if you're really patient and you enjoy the process, that that the whole thing becomes rewarding and you know yourself you know you train up for something and you might win an event but it's not it's not the be all and end all right life goes on yeah and then you just you again exactly (laughs) well how many people are not actually having fun with the sports that they're doing they're so focused on the end goal or the desired outcome at the end there's so much anxiety and performance anxiety that's associated with it and as you said they get there and whether their performance is amazing or it's not the best it's still over and if they didn't have a good time what was the point yeah that's right actually it's the whole point (laughs) you know if it's a career um it's it's a bit different but you still want to enjoy your career yeah Mm. um and every it's each to their own and like i said there's all different body types and they're going to have different approaches um but definitely enjoying the process is is so much more fun you know and you can talk about that in in work um, in a business setting or or whatever you you want but the the advantage you know in sport is that if you want to you're dealing you're using your body you're dealing with your body and your mind which is part of your body mm. um so you you get to look you can you've got the opportunity to learn so much about yourself and to me you know that's just so much fun and so interesting yeah it's very revealing and i love how you mentioned about achieving potential that is such a big thing because that's all that anyone can ever really truly aspire to if they can meet their potential or excel to that point then that's a very successful happy life Mm. um but your your potential you know is is ongoing it's like what's my potential today and you might be feeling rubbish. And, yeah. And so, but there's still heaps you can do. You know, you, you know, you're talking about recovery. Start with recovery stuff. Start with meditation. Start with yoga. Start with rolling out, stretching. Feel your body. Start to allow it to, the energy to come up and you to be able to work with it in that sense. And then um, see what you can do. But just relax with it. My thing is always that... Um, the three keys when you exercise um, that you, you're looking for is, which which are not easy, especially when you go higher up in performance, is to be re- as relaxed as possible in the body, to be calm in the mind, and more of a witness to what you're doing, and more of a witnessing state. And I think that's where our potential, true potential, lies. Um, in in Ayurveda, they talk about the witnessing state being the most intelligent state we can be in Hmm. so you're actually not in that normal 
um, functioning of your of your brain, which is just stuck in thoughts. Right? So that'd be like being into the zone, yeah, or in a state of flow. Yeah. Well, you what you're doing is just that you're just not interfering with what you what you're trying to do. So you're getting out of your own way. Yeah. 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 So uh, when the when the mind's really busy, it's supposed to use up to 80% of your blood glucose. So it's using so much of your energy. And you don't want that. You want available energy as much as you can for what you're, for what you're trying to do performance-wise. Mm. So um, getting out of that way is, is really key. And, you, and to go into a witnessing state, I think it's important to sort of set that up to start with. So how do you do that? Well... Um, just before I start, the, 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 the actual phrase they use in yoga is establish in being and then perform action. Hmm. So being is sort of um, a bit esoteric to a lot of people. They think, what's being? So I just say establish in calm and then perform action. Um, and then, you know, that's regarding karma as... as you know, you you wanting to do the right action in the moment. So establishing in calm, I always uh, think it's really good to do some meditation, but you can also do breath work. Um, Wim Hof's technique is just breathing for two minutes, however you can, just deep breathing and then two-minute breath hold. So when you hold your breath, it's supposed to increase the um, release of oxygen from your cells. So you're getting more oxygen than normal, especially to areas of the body that might not get as much. So... um, Would you recommend doing that before a competition or just in general practice? I recommend uh, doing it regularly. Everything is regular. Um, And then ideally, you know, when you come up, to performance you already know what you're capable of doing you already know where you're at yeah but um you know massage is obviously a huge thing um because of what it can do like that's why i've kept massaging even though it's such a hard thing to practice especially sports massage it's very tiring for the practitioner um um when you're really put in so there's there's good things about that too about learning how to to manage your own energy as far as that goes as well so um but when you're doing sports massage on on an athlete there's so much going on with it you're you're releasing stress patterns that are through the fascia you're you're releasing tension in the tissue as a whole which is really calming to the to the mind so when you get off the table, you actually feel calm. And I always tell people that's a reset for how you want to feel normally. So massage is a great opportunity to, to see where you can be at regularly if you apply all these things. Um, and, and, you know, so in that sense, it's really powerful. But most people just rely on the masseur to, to do it for them all the yeah. time. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, you're, you're releasing growth hormone from the skin that really helps repair and regeneration of the tissue. Um, you're obviously improving the amount of oxygen, um, moving around the body because you're increasing the circulation to deeper tissue if you do deep tissue massage. Um, so massage, you know, I've gone away with, with teams where, I haven't worked with them before and um, and I'll straight away start working with them on the table and you know I don't just do deep tissue recovery massage I do um, corrective technique as far as you know what are their muscle imbalances and what what muscles are functioning properly what aren't um, as far as um, whether they're contracting well or not and whether they're um, uh, the like similar range of motion on both sides and whether they're adequate range of motion um, 
because that's very important for performance because if you've got any restrictions in the tissue, then you have to work harder against that restriction to move. So, um, you know, with, with these teams, I'll, I'll just start working like that on them and then if they're receptive, then go into, um, you know, meditative techniques or breathing techniques or, or some yoga um, and I'll do it with them. Yep. And then you can actually use strength and conditioning as a preparation. Um, you can use it for recovery. You can use it for, for um, actually um, performance. So you can, sh- you can do the same workout and shift the way you do it completely and get a completely different result as far as what you're, you're looking for. So I, like, I can just throw all these things in the mix working with a team that I haven't worked with before or an individual and guaranteed their performance will go through the roof. Yeah. It, it just cannot There's do anything. They're such valuable but, tools. And, and um, it's not just the improvement in energy. It, a huge thing is setting up the environment for them where they feel like they're, they're cared for. And they feel like, oh, this is this is this quality, you know, and and it just lifts them, you know. You know, we're talking about confidence and seeing what's good um, about what you're doing. Well, it lifts their confidence. They feel good energy. They feel great about themselves because you're providing this environment where you're really caring for them and treating them with respect. And the, and and as far as a practitioner goes, the focus is that you actually um, are doing the best job you can uh, for them. But your focus is supposed to be just that, doing the best job you can, not trying to fix them or not trying to um, create the win because that starts incurring stress, right? Yep. But if you just focus on, I'm going to do the best job I can um, for this person, uh, which is called the intention of the therapist, when you get that right, it's supposed to be as good for the therapist as it is for the athlete. So when you have that environment, it is amazing. Yeah, and that's, a, that's, that's what attracted me. to the, This is what I trained in to actually look after professional athletes um, um, because it is that rewarding. And it's, and, it's, and it's not just winning, even though it often happens. Mm. <laughs> Because there's not many people taking it to that level. Um, well, I imagine you're increasing the longevity of all the athletes as well because they're not getting injured as much. They're recovering better from training. They're actually enjoying the process and prioritizing their well-being. So they're going to be in the sport for a hell of a lot longer than they would be if they weren't doing these things. Yeah, well, that's what we're seeing in sport now. You know, there are athletes um, lasting a lot longer. You know, Kelly Slater's 50 even though surfing, I would say, is not a, as hard a sport as some of the others, you know, especially it's not so-called a, an Im, um, you know an impact sport mm. compared to football, but they still do get a lot of injuries in surfing. Um, but you see that he has had a lot of people helping him along the way and he's really worked on his health um, as well. And... Look at the longevity. Like, so what if surfing's not as hard as tennis? Yeah. Um, he's still competing as a 50-year-old against 20-year-olds um, and and still winning. And so you go, well, here you go. That's what's possible. Well, I think it shows that you can stay in sport for a relatively long time. And like even with masters boxers, I don't know, there are people that are in their sixties and seventies that are still competing in boxing. And when I was at, in my youth, you know, everyone thought you were finished by the time you hit your late twenties, mm. but people are playing sport for longer. And obviously the sooner you get onto this stuff at an earlier age, you're going to have more longevity. But for older athletes, it's even more important if they want to stay active competing and be functional into their older life. Yeah. And why wouldn't you, you don't want to end up, falling apart when you don't have to yeah right i mean sure things don't always go the way you plan um but you want to you want to definitely edge your bets the right way when you (laughs) so so therefore you it's 
you know, it's not that hard to to manage yourself well and to have longevity. Like I like I have pushed myself very hard over the years because I've massaged a lot and um, I'm that Vata body type that can be obsessive compulsive with a Vata Pitta or winter summer and I've definitely been that so even though I've learnt to meditate and I've learnt to, to do yoga and I've learnt how to exercise within myself and I've learnt all about circadian rhythms and, and, and you can go on and on I have still um push myself way too hard at times and and burn out before but so i've made mistakes like everyone but because i just want to get myself back on track it's all there if you if you just want to research and learn and apply yourself um, and just have a regular routine you know, making sure that you just fit in your daily workout and you don't have to work out hard. It's it's about consistency and focus and enjoying it. Um, you know, it's it's not that difficult. And just creating that, that balance more where, where you, you, you're thinking, um, okay, I've got to work with my energy levels. My body's got to do lots and lots of things. <laughs> and so... You don't want to take too much energy away from the body um, because you're going to then create weaknesses in, in certain areas because the body's not going to be able to do all everything that it's trying to do, like repairing and rejuvenating. So um, simply, you just go, okay, I, I want to look after my energy levels and build them more. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't feel stiff and tired and like I can't open my eyes. Mm. Well, I think so many people, like we have such a culture which is focused on absolutely thrashing yourself every training session. I've been there so many times. And regard, I like how you said about your potential for that day, which can be different any day. Because if you aren't feeling 100%, let's say you've had a bad night's sleep or you've got outside stress going on in your life, there's no point adding more stress on an already stressed body by thrashing yourself in a workout. But like yeah. a recovery session or something like you recommended, you can fit that in and it'll make you feel better. But don't train to make yourself feel worse. Yeah. And it's it's often deceiving because sometimes you think, oh, I feel terrible because you're quite sluggish. But all you need to do is sort of get going a bit. So that's the importance of doing a really good warm-up. And so my warm-up, go can go for about 30 minutes mm. so you're, you're doing activation work to to feel um that your body is actually functioning properly from a functional point of view um and then what you've got to do is actually test what your heart rate's doing and make sure that it's recovering well so that's going to really give you a gauge of where you're at on the day so what should they be looking for in terms of heart rate recovery so when um as part of the f the the warm-up i do some efforts which generally go for um 10 minutes and and i'll do something like uh, a 30 30 30 um interval of three different exercises which are going to get your heart rate up over 80 percent of your heart rate max you don't i don't you don't want to be training um a, that level but this is just quick you're just getting it out there and then you can have a minute recovery and you see how much your heart rate recovers from over 80 percent heart rate max now if it's recovering 30 percent that's in the excellent range if it's recovering 20 to 30 i say that's good um 15 to 20 is average below 10 is 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 bad so um, it's very related to your autonomic nervous system. And, you know, we're talking about stress. Mm. Um, the autonomic nervous system is what governs that. So it's either fight or flight or rest and digest. And people think that it's either one or the other. But the actual where human potential lies is that they're both switched on full. Really? Yeah. And that's what's possible. So that's called the coexistence of opposites. and So it'd be like calm, focused attention. 
Yeah, and but it's actually in your physiology, so you're living it. Yeah. So the best heart rate recovery I've ever seen is with, with a yogi that um, I became friends with in in London, and he was a Kundalini yoga instructor, and he was um, an amazing um, yogi, and he was just interested in what i was doing so i said well come and hop on the treadmill and i'll see what you can do so i took his heart rate up to one uh 65 somewhere around there in an effort on the treadmill and then uh just um gave him then took the treadmill right back down to a walking pace to see his heart rate recovery and he recovered about a hundred beats in about five seconds what which I've never ever seen anything like, mm. <laughs> and I've had some really good athletes. Um, so, something like that is, you know, is what's possible when you're talking about coexistence of opposites. But he lived it. He he lived tapping into that potential daily, um, and that it was really his whole life. I've never heard of having both the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system functioning and operating at the same time. I've heard of people saying, obviously, we want to be living more in parasympathetic nervous system most of the time in our daily life, which is rest and digest, as opposed to in a stressed, anxious state or fight or flight mode, as you said, yeah. with the sympathetic. But activating both, that would be pretty yeah, well, that, that's amazing. What, yeah, well, that's in nature. It's called the coexistence of opposites. And an example is a cyclone where you've got the eye of the cyclone is the calm and the winds are the dynamic part. And the bigger the eye or the what we say is bigger the calm, the more dynamic the winds are. Mm. So that's your reserve of energy. And the bigger that reserve, the more dynamic you can be. So that's where I, my business name is Dynamic Calm. That's what it came from. And I came up with the idea, I was watching an interview um, with an actor who'd worked with Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood is a long-term meditator. And you can see it in him. He's, you know, he's 90 now and still directing and acting. Anyway, he said that Clint Eastwood is so calm on set. It is so um, not the crazy place that it often is with so many other directors. <laughs> So it's a super calm set and he gets everything done um, more efficiently than anyone. But he he looks like he's doing nothing, mm. you know, because he's so calm. Just tranquil. Just nothing faces him. So with meditation, we had someone on last week talking about mindfulness. What? I know you do a different type of meditation. It's transcendental, isn't it? Yeah, I learned transcendental when I was about 21. Uh, just I was starting to, you know, I was exploring all different things and I'd been to China as a guest of the health department and seen um, amazing treatments over there and came back and I so I started reading a lot and um, I read about transcendental meditation and and there was a fair bit of science behind it because Maharshi Mahashogi brought it to the west I think in the late 50s early 60s and they just started doing a lot of science around it because they knew that that's the way we operate in the west we need the scientific proof. And, um, yeah, it just was like the science behind it. You read it and you just think, wow, why wouldn't you do it? There's 600-plus scientific studies on it now as far as what it can do for your well-being. Yeah. I mean, about every, time every doctor should be saying, go and do it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just a no-brainer and it's a householder technique that's what it was designed for us normally so it's two times a day 20 minutes yeah and you just sit and you've got a mantra close your eyes yeah so it's not like mindfulness where you focus on the breath it's a mantra isn't it it's a mantra yeah okay i know and a lot of actors actually doing it it's a big proponent in hollywood and a lot of athletes use it as well and as you said there's so much scientific backing as well as mindfulness but mindfulness is very much associated with buddhism but Transcendental is very much a Western style of meditation. Yeah, and it's not religious-based. It's just a tool. It's just a, a tool that um, is going to help that reserve of energy that I was talking about. It's massive. Mm. It, it is suggested that the, if you do the two times in the day, that it can be worth about eight hours sleep in recovery. So 
if you're you're adding on 40 minutes in your day to your regular sleep we can imagine how good you can feel yeah i i um look after a, a guy who does um uh motorcycle rallies and he's had a lot of bad accidents and um but he's the he's the most conscientious guy as far as helping his body so everything i say he's he does or has done he's got the full setup at home with the ice bath and the sauna and the hot tub the magnesium hot tub the gym and massage table so we do lots of that um he also does hyperbaric chambers which are more costly um but very effective for distributing oxygen around the body um and healing and um um he does everything I've suggested and he's had amazing healing for the injuries he's had. He's had some really bad injuries. Um, one was where he snapped his femur and shattered his hip and damaged his knee. And he had a rod down his femur and um, basically when there was all scar tissue in his thigh. And so it just feels like a rock, you know, and you're massaging it. And, it's just, and people say you can massage scar tissue away but I've never seen it massaged away. <laughs> but what you can see is that all these things that you do, which assist the body to heal itself, that's what I focus on, yep. is how can I assist the body to, to heal itself? It, it is the thing that does the amazing things. And it is possible that it can do just about anything um, from what I can gather. And one day he had all this scar tissue in his thigh and I felt other people with a, a similar in, injury that it, it's never gone away. And the next time I treated him, it was gone. Really? And what do you put it down to? Everything that he did. So yeah. hyperbaric chamber, he did some hormone replacement to help um, where he was low in hormones. Um, and then on top of that, it was just everything the the massage the exercise and what i was going to say is that this guy's you know a motorbike rider a rally rally um driver and 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 pretty tough and there's no way you'd think that he'd do meditation right yeah even after everything else he did i said to him there's one more thing in the toolbox that i've got for you yeah (laughs) and i said i want you to learn to do tm and he's just gone, you're kidding me, aren't you? And I said, no, no, I'm serious. This is really will make a difference. And he, he's, he's got a um, very successful business as well, which is, you know, can be quite stressful. And um, so I finally talked him into it. He went and learnt and he has never stopped. And he said, there's no way he will stop because he feels so good when he does it. And it's not just during it, it's afterwards. And he said he's, he's, it changed the way he, he, he feels and lives and thinks. So, you know, for him to do that and to experience that, you'd have to say that, that anyone could do it. Well, I think anyone can benefit from meditation and looking after themselves in general and improving well-being using ice baths, saunas, things like that, massage regularly. Not just elite level athletes, but business owners, people with families, just the average person will all improve their quality of life by taking these things into account. Yeah, definitely. And it's all, it's it's like it's just a buffet, really. For me, it's just like wow. You know, how could you ever be bored? Yeah. How could you ever go? I've got nothing to do. <laughs> I mean, just the amount of things that you can do with your mind and body is just phenomenal. And that that's the thing. That's what we've got. That's this is this is life, not you know spending your whole day on your phone, <laughs> yeah. or, or you know this is this is this is the key. This is what we were born with. This is we didn't come with anything else. So I, I just think, why wouldn't you want to explore it? I mm. mean, it's just endless. And you know the yogis say that um, going inward, even though that's it's it's hard to understand what going inward is. Um, is is a much 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 bigger world than anything outward, and so they say that that's the real journey. Um, if you know, if you want to go next level, mm. you know, in your life. So I've definitely explored that more 
in my life now. And, um, yeah, it's just, and I'm only just touching on it. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah. As you said, there's so much potential and it is truly limitless. Mm. And I really like how you put it, how can you be bored? With so many tools that you have access to that you can do on your own terms that you can be held accountable for by yourself. Yeah. You don't need anyone else to do these things. You no. can have a cold shower. Yeah. You can obviously get a great setup at home with a gym and things like that, but you can get a gym membership. You can look after yourself. You can meditate. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think... Just if you, um, the four things that I say that you just focus on um, with workouts and like that's my thing. That's what I I teach um, as far as creating that dynamic calm state while you're working out Um, because you get all the benefits of the workout plus you get the benefits of creating that state and being able to take that into your day. the four things that you concentrate on are your comfort levels. So it's really important that you stay in your comfort zone. And the thing is, is that how you feel at the low level of exercise, that's how you want to feel at the high level of exercise. And that's what we're talking about with the zone. That's how you can feel at the high level. But you've got to practice that. Like there's no use going high level and smashing yourself and having high heart rates yeah. and not being comfortable. But you can, the more you practice, taking that comfort level up, up, up until it starts to dissipate and then you bring it back down a touch and just making subtle changes, shifts, you can maintain that um, comfort level and go into higher and higher levels of performance over time. Well, I always say to my boxers, think of a time when you were playing another sport, whether it be football or something when they were younger. And think of the best game they ever played, and I guarantee they weren't trying hard. Everything just flowed. They always got the ball. They always got the tackle. They were always in the right position. It was just all – they were always on point. They weren't exhausted. It wasn't like they had to dig deep or anything. It was just a natural state. They just performed well. And that's what I try and get my boxers to tap into so they're not thrashing themselves. Because yeah. um, I don't think you can perform well if you've you got a high heart rate and you're exhausted. No one can perform well under that state. No. Well, they can't perform at their best. No. Um, that they could otherwise and it's definitely not enjoyable <laughs> no definitely not and the whole point is you want to have fun isn't it <laughs> totally absolutely yeah it should be totally fun even mm. boxing <laughs> <laughs> each to their own eh? <laughs> well gary it's been great having you on the show really appreciate you coming on today very informative i know i learned a lot and looking forward to having you on the show again um to anyone that's interested in living a high performance life check out ron perant method the podcast the radio show and on social media gary thank you for coming thanks ron thanks for having me mate hi this is matt joe gow and you're listening to radio Caram, which is local community internet radio and uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to melbourne how important it is to the scene here the music scene but also the wider community so check out radio Caram. tune in